0: Good morning. I don't do this very often, but uh, I'd like for you to just stand up with me a minute. Everyone, would you do that? Just stand up. Okay? Now, I want you to say this after me, all right? It is wonderful to be me. Feels weird, doesn't it? Say it again. It is wonderful to be me. Okay? Now I'm going to add something to it. I want you to say say this after me. It is wonderful to be me because... All right, now, the because will determine whether you're living in reality or an illusion. Okay, and we'll, we'll expound on that later. Whatever follows that, whatever you're saying, it's wonderful to me, me, because then the next statement is going to determine whether you're living in reality or whether you're living in an illusion. Now say this after me. It is wonderful to be me because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Say it again. Now you see how it could be an illusion. It could say, it is wonderful to be me because I make so much money. It is wonderful to be me because I'm over six feet tall. I mean, we think of all the weird things we pick. Okay. It is wonderful to be me because I live in a big house. All of those. Portray an illusion. Okay? So, say this after me. It is wonderful to be me because I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and that is the truth. Amen. All right, be seated. We're going to come back to that. There will be a test on that, okay? We have been finishing up Galatians for a while. One of the last verses we looked at in Galatians is when Paul said in Galatians 5, we have been free, therefore remain free. The chains to the law have been broken You no longer have a list. You no longer have the rules. You no longer have the guidelines. You no longer have the principles. You are free from the law. Now stay free. Okay? And then he goes on in chapter five and he describes to us how we stay free. Because a lot of us don't know how to live without the law, we don't know how to live without the rules. How am I going to know how to act if somebody doesn't tell me? And he says in Galatians 5 that the way to live free, Christ set us free, and the way to remain free is by living in relationship with the Holy Spirit. And then we looked at several ways that when the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us, He comes, when the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us, he does not come to live in us in order to keep the law. That changes the focus again. He comes in us that he might fulfill the law in us by being obedient to him. Period. Period. And we looked at two or three, we looked at three, we're going to look at one more today. We looked at three ways that the Holy Spirit facilitates that when he comes to live inside of us. First one we talked about is he comes as a comforter. He comes as a paraclete. He comes as one who is inside of us and stands beside us to walk through everything we go through. And he has come to give us comfort. And he doesn't give us comfort just by patting us on the back and telling us we're doing a good job. He comes to give us comfort by revealing to us God's perspective. We look at this situation and there becomes turmoil and stress and anxiety and worry and fear because we're looking at it through an improper perspective. And all it takes is for the Holy Spirit to come one time and to reveal God's perspective and there's comfort, there's peace. Now I know what God's saying, I know what God's doing. He comes as a comforter. Second thing he does, he comes as a teacher. But he doesn't just come to impart information. He comes to teach Christ, that we might know Christ, that we might learn Christ. And he comes to reveal Who he was and what he did as a teacher. Third thing he is, he comes as a testifier. He comes to us to testify, to bear witness to all of the things that he saw personally take place in Christ. He was there when Christ was born, he participated in that. He was there when Christ lived on the earth, he participated in that. He was there when Christ died on the cross. He participated in that. He was there when Jesus rose from the grave. He participated in that. And that Holy Spirit that was present for all of that, now, Jesus says, comes to live inside of us to testify, to bear witness to all the things that he saw and participated in with Christ. And we don't just see the natural at that point. We see what took place behind the scenes because the Holy Spirit was there and he comes to reveal it all to us. Well, there's one more I want to share with you today and it's in John chapter 16. Now, Karis is not here so we didn't get the scriptures up on the deal so you're going to have to use your own little Bible. All right. John chapter 16, he says in verse 12, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he... The spirit of truth comes. Now, that's one phrase that you'll see that's common in all of these things that we've talked about. The comforter, the teacher, and the testifier. He refers to the Holy Spirit as the spirit of truth. When he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. How am I going to know the truth? The Holy Spirit will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. Does that sound familiar? Remember someone else saying that? Jesus said that. Jesus said, I don't speak on my own initiative. I only speak what I hear the Father say. Now, the Holy Spirit comes along and he says, he will not speak on his own initiative. Jesus says about the Holy Spirit, he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. Now, listen. Listen. Jesus' mode of operation was, I don't speak on my own. I only speak what I hear the Father say. And if the Holy Spirit's mode of operation is, I don't speak on my own. I only speak what I hear. Why do we think we have the right then to speak whatever we want to speak? Why do we take it on ourselves to think, well, I just say whatever I want to say. I can pray whatever I want to pray. I can claim anything I want to claim. When both of them said, I only say what I hear, Jesus took it a little further, and he says, I not only only say what I hear, I only do what I see. What I see the Father doing, that's what I do. Now, let's break it down a little bit. He says that when he, the Spirit of, comes, he will, of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Now, you've heard me in times past. Anytime I see the word truth, very often I will translate it as reality. Because when Scripture uses truth, he's not talking about accurate facts. Truth is accurate, but it's not just factual. Truth is not just factual. It is actual. Did you catch that? Wasn't that cute? It's not just factual, it's actual. It's not just proper information. It is the reality behind that. And so he says the Holy Spirit will come and lead us into reality. Now, Vine's Dictionary of New Testament Words defines reality as this. Reality is what lies at the base of an appearance. Let that just set a minute. Reality is what lies at the base of an appearance. It is the unseen giving existence to the seen. Let me show you what I'm talking about. I'm going to give you a simple, just a real simple illustration. I do this, this trick with kids all the time, okay? And they love it. I pretend to them that I can take my finger off. And they go, whoa, how does he do that? And you know what they do almost to the kid? They try to look behind to see what's really back there. They look at that and their eyes say, he's taking his finger off. And their mind says, no, there's got to be something behind that. And so they, what? The truth of the matter is, the reality of it is, I don't take my finger off. I just bend that finger and stick my thumb in there and pull up. That's the reality of the appearance. It appears he's taking it off. There's another one that I do all the time is with the quarter. Take the quarter, and you grab it, and then you have them blow, and they go, where'd it go? And then you say, it went behind your ear. And the first thing you want to do is, how did he do that? The appearance doesn't seem to be accurate. Reality is what takes place behind the appearance. Okay? Does that make sense? It's what takes place. It's what happens in the unseen that they can't see that brings about the scene, even though you can't explain what you're seeing. It's reality lying at the base of the appearance, it's the unseen giving existence to the scene. It's the spiritual that exists behind the natural. That's reality, all right? Now look with me in Colossians chapter one. Boy, he just describes it out here when he talks about what's going on. In Colossians chapter one, verse uh, 15, he says, God... Jesus is who he's referring to here. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Okay, God's still invisible. He was invisible for eternity. Jesus came and revealed what was invisible in his body. And he says Jesus is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. There was a time when there was nothing visible. Just let your mind dwell on that a minute and you'll go crazy. There was a time when there was nothing visible. Only thing that existed was the Father, the Son, the Spirit, and a relationship between those three. That's it. And somewhere along the line, the invisible brought something into visibility. Now, which is the reality? What's been brought into existence or what existed before? Well, you talk about what's eternal, that's reality. God was a reality. And he says here, God, who is reality, existed before there was ever anything here, and everything that's here came out of him. Here was the the invisible bringing into existence the visible. He says, that's reality. That's truth. Now we also find that he created man. And we know that he created man, a body, a soul, and a spirit. took the clay, formed man, and breathed into it the breath of life. He formed the body. He breathed into it. And then man became, Genesis says, a living soul. So we have a body. We have a soul. And we have the breath of life, a spirit. Body, soul, and spirit. The body... Is the means by which man was designed to function in this physical rim. That's why he gave him senses: the sight, you know, the sight, uh, smell, taste, hear, touch, all of those things, to function in the natural rim. The soul is who he is. He became a living soul, and then he gave him a spirit. The spirit is the means by which God intended to keep a connection to himself while he existed and functioned in the natural world. Okay? Here's, here's the soul of man. I can be spiritual or I can be natural. This is me. If I take my cues from the natural, I am what Scripture calls a natural man because I am locked into the natural. If I take my cues from the Spirit, I am a spiritual man because I'm taking my cues from the Spirit. Now, it tells me reality comes from this world. It doesn't come from this world. This is an expression of the unseen reality. Does that make any sense? That's me. I'm a body. I'm a soul. That's who I am. The spirit of man was God's way of connecting himself to man while he existed and functioned in the natural world. Now, when the fall happened, man's ability to know God died. God said to Adam and Eve, if you eat of the fruit of the tree, the tree of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, you're going to die. He ate, and he died. He died instantly. He died instantly in his spirit in that that connection to God was broken. He died progressively in his soul because man became worse and worse. Is that, is that right, Grammar? He, he didn't. Okay, he got real bad. All right. And he died eventually in his body, but he died. That connection to man, it didn't, see, it, it didn't die in the sense of it ceased to exist. It died in the sense that it ceased to function the way God intended for it to function. He intended for there to be a connection to God so that God could comfort him, God could teach him, God could love him, God could reveal himself to him. That was lost. And now man only has the natural to respond to. Romans chapter 1, you'll see this progression. Look with me over there. Beginning in verse 20. For, this, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood what has been made so that they are without excuse. He says, the reality of God was manifested in all of creation. And if man is wise, he will look at creation and like those little kids say, okay, what's behind it? Okay. This can't be all there is, but there's something that's brought this on. So what's behind all this? And that's where he finds reality. It's not in the natural. It's what's in behind all of that. And look what he says here. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. They looked at this and said, well, this is all there is. And when they did that, their heart became dark to the light of God. Okay? Because they're locked into the natural. He goes on and he says, professing to be wise, they became fools. Does that sound familiar? I mean... It, it, Please don't watch the news all day, but just watch it for five minutes and you'll see this lived out. The foolishness of man that's held out as wisdom. You want to go, where in the, what planet did you fall off of to come to those conclusions? The proper conclusion is to look at the natural and say, there's something behind it. What is it? The foolish looks at it and says, this is all there is. And I am the center of it. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image. God still invisible. And they changed the invisible God in a, to a form. In the image of form of corruptible man, and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. And you go back and you look at historically, all of the gods that man has created is a combination of animal and human expression. You look at some of those gods, you're going, man, what kind of twisted mind came up with that god? I wouldn't serve that ugly sucker for nothing. And it's all a distortion because this is all they've got. Therefore, God gave them over and and let me just the translation of that word lust is just strong desire. Therefore God gave them over in the strong desire of their hearts to impurity, so that their bodies might be dishonored among them. While well, they changed the truth of God for a lie, and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. All right, now watch. The reality of God is behind the natural. The natural points to him, but it is not him. All right? It points to him, but it is not him. That's where truth lies. That's where reality lies. All of the natural is an expression that says, there's a reality. We're not it, but there is a reality behind all this. We can know all about the natural and not know him. Facts, we can know the facts but not know the truth. We can know the factual and not know the actual. Listen, the fall didn't cause God to get his feelings hurt and separate himself from man. We, I've taught that, that sin separates God from man. Folks, God's everywhere. God's everywhere. How can I separate from him? How How can you be separate from God when he's everywhere? It didn't separate us, but he's always present. But I lost the ability to know him because I surrendered to the natural realm. And in focusing on that, I lost my connection. I lost that ability. My spirit died in its ability to function and be connected to God. And man became locked into the natural world, which consists, here's what consists in this natural world, our own reasoning ability. I can figure it out. I have to figure it out. It's up to me to figure it out. Or it's not real. I'm locked into my own emotions. If I don't feel it, it ain't real. But if I feel it, it's real. And that's where we make our choices. we locked into our senses. Touch, taste, smell, hear, and see. And in our mind, anything outside of that real Rim is determined to be not true, untrue. I can't feel it. I can't touch it. I can't smell it. I can't see it. Herein lies the problem. God is still invisible. He is still a spirit, and he can't be known by my reason. He won't be known by my emotions. He won't be known by my senses. He is still a spirit. To the natural man, his existence is all about being successful in the natural world. How much authority, how much notoriety, how much influence, how much recognition and prestige can I attain? I've given myself to that. How many things can I acquire? We're even proud of that. I used to have a t-shirt that said, he who dies with the most toys wins. I saw one the other day that said, he who dies with the most toys is still dead. How can we acquire things? How can we get things? How can we build my retirement account? How can all of these things become our focus? How much information can we gain in the natural world? How much smarter than you can I become? Even if I'm not, can I convince you that I am? How many ways and how often can I stimulate my senses from the influence of the natural world? That's the existence of a man who lives in the natural. And when he finds out it has no real value, no joy or lasting contentment. Then he seeks to escape the influence of the natural by numbing his senses altogether. Just, I just, I, I just don't want to feel. You hear that a lot from generation. I just don't want to feel. Some people are convinced I can't conve- can I can't I don't feel so they do things to themselves to see if they still can feel. All of that is that captive heart that's been captured by the natural world. His entire existence is confined to the natural, the physical, the sensual world. And he is blinded by the reality of God. Because his mind and his heart is singular. His mind and his heart is singular to this world right here. And he can't see that there's another world behind this. That's where reality exists. Okay? And then, but God, Jesus comes along. You know what Jesus comes to do? He comes from this world into this world to say emphatically there is another world. I've been there. I came from there. And I'm here to tell you that this world is not all there is. As a matter of fact, I'm here to tell you this is an illusion. This is reality. And Jesus came. To reveal that. He came to show us that the spiritual world behind the natural world. In John chapter 1, verse 14, he says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. What is a word? Talked about this before. What is a word? A word. A word is a tangible expression of an invisible thought. You don't know what I'm thinking till I speak it. You don't know what's in my head till I tell you. And when I tell you, you know, where'd that come from? I mean, you know, it came from his head, it came from his heart. And the word, that which was intangible, became tangible. The word was everything God wanted to say to man in the natural realm about reality. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and reality. He was full of reality. He was the real deal from this realm into this realm. John 1.15 says, well, let me find it because I want to read part of it here. John chapter 1. Verse uh, 15, it says, John testified about him and cried out saying, this is he of whom I said, he who comes after me has a higher rank than I for he existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and reality were realized through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten of God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained. John the Baptist came, and later on in John, Jesus referred to John the Baptist and saying, He testifies to who I am, just as the Holy Spirit testified. John wasn't the Word. He testified to the Word. John wasn't from that realm. John was from this realm. But he saw Jesus from this realm and said, he's the real deal. He bore witness to who Jesus was. He was the truth. He was the reality. John 8, 32, you will know reality, and reality will do what? Set you free. You will know the truth. There is no freedom in this realm. There's only freedom from this realm. What Jesus say in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, I am reality, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Listen. The only way to the Father is through Jesus. Okay? The only way to Jesus is through the Holy Spirit. That's it. Your reason won't find him. Your emotions won't find him. Your senses won't find him. Only the Holy Spirit has come to reveal the truth. Who is the truth? Jesus is the truth. The Holy Spirit comes in us to reveal to us what is real. He's come to show us who he is. He has come to guide us into the reality of God that is found in Jesus, who he was and what he accomplished and what he did. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He, Paul talks about this. In verse 11, For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. Only the Holy Spirit knows the reality of God. and His job is to come to us and reveal to us the reality of God that's found in Jesus. Next verse says, Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we might know the things freely given to us by God. Jesus came and accomplished all this stuff. How is that going to become a reality to me? It will only become, I've got it factually accurate, I know I know the facts about it. I know the the, the accuracy of it. But how is the reality of that going to be a reality in my life? The Holy Spirit does that. That's what he comes to do. He makes real to us what Jesus did on earth. Real to us what Jesus did on the cross. Real to us what Jesus did by being resurrected. Real to us what Jesus did when he sent the Holy Spirit to live in it. Now... One other thing about this verse in John, the word guide refers to the relationship between a sighted person and a non-sighted person, okay? It refers to the activity that takes place when a sighted person has a relationship with an unsighted person. The Holy Spirit doesn't just come and say, there's truth in Jesus, go find it. There's reality in Jesus, go find it. Jesus, The Holy Spirit doesn't just come and point and say, go that way. Can you imagine doing that with a blind person? How do I get to downtown Dallas? You just go that way. Just go there. That's not what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit comes to me and he walks with me into the reality of God. He facilitates me experiencing that. There was, there's a, 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 a Christian singer, probably only... Maybe Pam remembers him. Ken Metema. remember him? He wrote this song, Lord, listen to your children pray. Lord, send your spirit in this place. Lord, listen to your children pray. pray. Send us power. Send us grace. Send us love in this place. Ken Metema was blind. And uh, I was at a convention one time. In, uh, 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 Glorieta, in that New Mexico. Yeah, that's uh not isn't it where well yeah in Glorieta, New Mexico. Back when I was in the circles up there. And 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 they had these guys singing, you know, and Ken metema was going to be there, and and you know, if you're a big shot, you get to go behind the stage, you know. That's where all the big shots glad hand and mingle and, you know, pass out their cards. And, yeah, you need to have me in your church. And, you know, you have me in your church. I'll have you in my church. And we had a big, and, you know, it's just, it's, it's really ridiculous. But I, I wasn't a big shot, but I knew a big shot. And he invited me to go behind the stage. I thought, well, this ought to be interesting. So I go back there, and sure enough, I mean, there's politicking going on everywhere, and everybody's sitting there. Well, Ken Metam is back there. And someone introduced him to me, and I met him and just talked for a second. And then these guys went back to the business. And in a minute, I hear him on the stage introduce Ken Metema And he's supposed to come out and play the piano and sing. And he's just standing there. And nobody's paying any attention to him. Like, figure it out. And so I go, well, this is crazy. So I go over and take him by the arm. I say, come on, let's go out there. And so we go down there and I sit him down on the, on the piano bench and, and, and he does his thing. But somehow we figure that's, God says, figure it out. Just work on it. That's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and says, let's do this together. I'm going to show you what needs to be done and I'm going to empower you to do what needs to be done. And then we're going to give Jesus the glory when it gets done. And you just a participator. Holy Spirit guides us into the reality of God. How's this relevant? Finding truth is not a matter of IQ. Some of us have disqualified ourselves because we don't think we're smart enough. Somebody tells us, you're just not smart. You're just never going to figure it out. Finding the truth is not a matter of IQ. It is a matter of yieldedness to the Holy Spirit. And we can all do that. We can all yield to him. That's how we find the truth. To serve the natural strengthens my flesh. To serve the spiritual strengthens my spirit. And the reason in today's culture we see so little expression of the spirit of God in our lives is even Christians have given so much energy strengthening their natural. We do it in church. We pawn it off as church. We give the impression it's revival when it's just, it's not fire, it's just dust from all the activity. How am I to realize the spiritual world by yielding to the Holy Spirit? He gives me that reality. Here's how this is relevant. I had you make this statement at the beginning. It is wonderful to be me. Now, we could have looked at the natural side of our life and very easily concluded, it's not such a good deal. Being me ain't such a great thing. I got debt, I got this. I got this thing going on. I got this emotional problem. I got this, I got this physical problem. I got family that are just weird as they can be, and I got all this stuff in my life, and it's just not all that great being me. I could look at the natural and draw a conclusion that would always be less than what the spiritual says about me. God said, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. It is wonderful to be me. It's not wonderful to be me because I'm not you. It's wonderful to be me because God made me. That will become reality when I evaluate myself less on what the natural says and more on what God says. And that's true in every realm. It's true in who we are. It's true in how we live. It's true in how we minister. God has reality for us. And the Holy Spirit has come to make real to us what's in that spiritual world. And he does so not by telling us, but by guiding us, by leading us into that. He is the comforter. He is a teacher. He is the testifier. And he is the guide. Those things becoming reality in our life free me from ever going back to the law. You know why? Do you know why I can go? Why this guy? Do, do you know why? Let's, let's do it this way. Do you? <laughs> do you know why you can go a day and not sin? Because the Holy Spirit will never lead you to sin. Not because you're this great warrior. Not because you know the Bible. Not because you stand in faith. Not, it's because the Holy Spirit will never lead you into sin. And if I am yielded to him, I'm never going to choose to disobey. I can. Nothing's going to make me. But more likely than not, he will free me from walking in disobedience to the Father. It doesn't have anything to do with me. Do I do that every day? No. But I do it more days than I did, used to. But it's all him. He guides us into reality as we know him personally. Now, I asked our home group a couple of weeks ago. We've been talking about this, him being the comforter, the teacher, the um uh, uh, testifier, and now the guy. And, I, and I, I asked them to, now, what does that look like? What does this relationship with the Holy Spirit look like? I mean, you could take a lot of, draw a lot of conclusions. Well, he's a comforter. Well, it's a psychiatrist's couch. I'm going to sit down on the couch, and I'm going to tell him all my problems, and he's going to listen. And then when I get through, everything's going to be wonderful. Because don't, don't be deceived in thinking you're going to go to a psychiatrist and get answers. They're gonna have a lot of questions, okay? They want you to find the answer. Well, here's the answer, is Jesus, okay? It's not gonna be like a psychiatrist. It's not gonna be a classroom. In our Western mind, we think if the Holy Spirit is a teacher, we sit down in class, he gives us information, we give it back to him, and if we give it accurately, we pass the test, we're good, I got that down. And we always wonder, after we've blown it about the 10th time, I thought I had this down. What that meant was you knew the facts about it. It's not a classroom. It's not a church service where we have testimony day and everybody gets up and talks about their favorite verse, which hasn't changed in 60 years. He's not a park ranger who's going to give you a map and say, here, find your way. He lives in me to make all of those things real. What's that relationship look like? Well, next week I'll tell you, okay? Next week I'll give you a hint And what the Lord's shown me about it. And I'm telling you, it has been pretty phenomenal experiencing this. So next week I'll tell you how it all plays out. All right, any questions? What would you hear? What would you see? What the Lord say to you? How many ways do you think I'm out to lunch? What? Anybody? Alex? <clears throat> so, uh, especially during worship, we've sang it a couple times today. And just throughout everything you've talked about, our only job other than to do any work, is just to receive. He gives it freely. He's waiting for us to be like, okay, I'm ready, because anything that I can conjure up is just garbage. It's all going to fall apart. Let me receive what you have. Just receive. It is finished. Anyone else? Fling it down there, Pete. I, during worship, I heard that scripture that talks about, um, to as many who will receive. Um, it says he gives power to become children of God Mm -hmm. and, um, the Holy Spirit is the power. That's right. And that goes with what he said. That's Uh, right. Just, our job is just to receive. He has all the power. That's right. The same principle in John one, when he says to as many as believed on him, To them he gave the power or the right to become sons of God. That principle never changes. It's the same principle through the whole Christian walk is to receive what He's done and allow Him to make it real to us. Anyone else? All right. Happy Mother's Day. Good to see all you mothers. You're dismissed.